Join us as we chat about caregiver burnout and how to recognize the signs. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today we will be talking about the topic of caregiver burnout. I feel like a topic that many people have experienced firsthand. Definitely we have, for sure. Many times. Many times, yes. (laughs) And I have heard from a lot of other parents kind of on the internet, whenever everyone's on there, you're kind of like at that last straw and you don't know what to do. And you hear parents with that like desperation in their voice. Usually that's associated with caregiver burnout. Typically the person is experiencing burnout by the time they get to that point. But sometimes I feel like I almost don't even catch a common sign for like the burnout until like someone else, like, I mean, essentially you pointed out to me. It's not just like one thing is like, oh, that's burnout. There's like many different signs that you're kind of experiencing burnout. (laughs) And the reason there is a term called caregiver burnout is because it's a burnout that's specifically associated with caretaking for somebody who has like a chronic health condition. For example, if you're helping somebody from either a disability or maybe end of life care or something like that. Caregiver burnout is specifically to people who are doing that caretaking role. And the reason that it's got its own proper name is because caregivers are typically 24-7 on the job. So you don't really take a break from caregiving. Either you're a parent or you're a spouse or you're somebody who's typically always with that person. So there isn't ever really a moment for a break. And that's often what leads to the burnout. Both of us, we have like responsibilities as for ourselves, our family, but then also extended to the kids. So kind of meshed all together. And that's kind of a lot to carry. So I mean, you almost don't have a chance sometimes just to take a quick breather. Right. And then depending on like the level of quote unquote severity in terms of having a special needs or autistic child, there's other things and other comorbidities that come into play that can increase that amount of work or the amount of extra things that you have to do to take care of that person. For our kids, for example, when they were younger, we had to help a lot with just basics like feeding. Like there just wasn't the five second break that you can take even at dinner where you all just sit and eat because we had to feed ourselves and we had to help them feed themselves because they didn't have the gross motor skills to be able to do it. So there's things like that, that people who aren't caretakers of chronic conditions don't really understand or have to deal with. And even though we had to deal with the food rigidity, we had rigidity in kind of other elements of our daily life. So it could be our daughter struggling with an activity, for example. So if we are trying to deal with a transition or such, she might shift into kind of a meltdown if she's wanting to bring that one activity along with her in the car, for example, going to a therapy, and we need to kind of cut it off because what she's playing with is oversized and doesn't quite fit in the car. And that plays perfectly into the aspect of caregiver burnout that's determined by emotional demands. So part of caregiver burnout, part of the reasons it can be caused is from too many emotional demands. So essentially, that means that a caregiver or us as like parents of the autistic children, we can get emotionally drained, especially if we're not able to resolve the issue at hand. That can lead to burnout because if we're constantly having to deal with the same issue over and over and we can't find a way to resolve that issue 
it can lead to burnout because we always feel like we're spinning our wheels. So if that's like a transition difficulty, for example, from appointment to appointment, and we find that every single time there is a transition difficulty when we're going to appointments, then eventually we start anticipating that and it leads to that kind of like burnout of like, oh, here we go again. I don't know what to do. That kind of ties in with kind of family and friends as well, because they might want to do something, an activity. Oh, let's take the kids to the zoo or wherever. And the idea of that is we are trying to play that in our minds, almost like foreseeing the challenges in line that we have to kind of check off to make sure that that is a successful trip to the zoo that they don't even have to contend with. Right there, I mean, that mentally, I feel like that's kind of in line with burnout where we have to almost do like chess to see, okay, how can we successfully make this work with the time that we're working with, the kids, the activities, work and everything, that in itself could be just a pure exhaustion trying to make everything kind of fit together nicely without having to deal with or experiencing the meltdowns and pulling the kids back from that. And that actually lines up nicely with one of the other causes of caregiver burnout, which is called conflicting demands. That's essentially like when there's a bunch of additional demands in place that are placed upon you. Like if you are a caregiver, that's not necessarily the only thing that you do. Like you might be like a spouse. Let's say you are the one who's having to take care of the household or do the cooking and the cleaning, whoever you may be, whatever your role is in your relationship, you have these other responsibilities. And so sometimes if you feel like you have to put all your attention as a caregiver, you can get kind of behind on these other things. And then that starts adding stress to your load that starts adding more to your list. And that ends up pushing further into this like burnout territory where you start getting overwhelmed and feeling like distraught, like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to catch up on this. I'm not going to be able to do all of the stuff that just keeps adding and adding to my plate. I almost think of what do they call it, like the honeydew list that like the like the wife has. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. The husband is like, <laughs> oh, these are the things to check out. But it's kind of like, I mean, obviously we both have like our own version of like the honeydew list kind of mixed in as like the caregiver. The I mean, life it, list. <laughs> yeah, basically where it's like, oh, okay, you have to do like all your your tasks that you're basically your role in like the the family as well as like with mixed in with like caring for the kids so it's just kind of like we each have like our honeydew list caregiver list of sorts right and then that basically ends up becoming like a workload deficit that you have so you have this workload that you're dealing with as a caregiver and that might be something that increases over time depending on how much help you have with the caregiving how many breaks you have and if you're one of those people who struggles with self-care that workload can also get full basically i would say it filled out completely because it almost leads into the next day where you get through like your checklist and you're like okay we have like five minutes where we can sit down before we like go to sleep and then start the day over where we start off at task number one again and then that can disrupt your sleep patterns a little bit where you're going kind of working all day and then caregiving and then trying to go to sleep quickly which never works out. So you kind of like roll into the kind of the next day, kind of carrying some of the baggage from the previous day. So it kind of gets all caught up in the mix a little bit. For me, one of the things that I struggle with is the fact that I have like a full-time job. And then I also run, you know, this podcast and Autism Wish. And then I also have the therapies and the appointments with my kids, dental appointments. But then when we're at home, we're also doing like the regular caretaking and cooking and laundry. And also we'd like to make sure that we're fitting in quality time with our kids. Like we want to be purposeful about that. And we want to make sure that every day we are spending one-on-one time with our kids. So over time, all of that 
that kind of adds up. And if you have these moments where you're trying to do something, like let's say you're trying to do something nice with your kid. Oh, I want to do this activity in this one-on-one time. But your kid ends up having like a meltdown or is having a really hard time transitioning or is not willing to participate. You can easily get frustrated or triggered or overwhelmed because you already have so much on your plate that you just want this one thing that you're doing to like go well. You just want this to go smoothly because you need the little energy from it going smoothly to be able to like roll that energy into your next task. So whenever things don't work out well, for me, the caregiver burnout shows up in the sense of a debt, like an emotional debt or like a physical labor debt, where every time something doesn't go as planned, every time something goes wrong, it adds to that debt in your like emotional or physical jar. And that's what ends up over time kind of overwhelming you because you never have time to repay that debt. You never have that time to refill those jars with yourself, you as a person, you kind of start losing yourself because you can't refill that debt. We raise a good point as far as like the activities that we set up for like the girls. We think like, oh, this will be so much fun. I think back, I mean, one of the biggest ones was probably the fall festival with the girls. And it was like a 20 minute drive, but you figure, okay, we got both the girls and their costumes. We were super excited for them. We're like, oh, this is going to be great. They're going to get some candy and get to do the whole trick or treat thing. But then our oldest, it was ending up having like a struggle as far as like transitioning because she wanted to sit in one of the chairs and not trick or treat. And then that kind of transitioned into kind of a little bit more of a meltdown. And the amount of time that we were actually even there trying to have them experience like fun and joy of like the fall festival was, I mean, probably only like 10 minutes and compared to like the drive there. So, I mean, I felt like they kind of missed out a little bit on like a fun activity and we never really got that back because I mean, Halloween is like a one time a year thing. And so, I mean, it's just kind of like you have your best intentions to try and create something great for them. And then it may or may not come to fruition depending on other things that are kind of being tossed in the mix. It could be like a meltdown or just them not being in the best mood. And then it's kind of essentially gone. Oftentimes, the way that this will manifest itself is people start experiencing certain symptoms. Not everyone feels the same thing when they're feeling caregiver burnout, but some of the most common things are things like disrupted sleep. Like if you feel like you're not able to get a good night's sleep, you're waking up in your sleep, you're tossing and turning a lot. If you feel like you're persistently irritable, like every little thing annoys you. I know I definitely have those days. I was going to say, I was going in my mind, like check, (laughs) check, check. check. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they can be associated because if you're not getting enough sleep, then that can make you irritable. Things like altered eating patterns. If you feel like you're not eating the way you normally would, whether you start eating a lot more or a lot less, it can be stress related. Things like anxiety, like increased heart rate, high stress levels, just in general, it would be things that you associate a lot with either anxiety or even with depression. Like if you start feeling like nothing makes you happy anymore, you feel lonely. Just kind of like a blah state of mind. It's just kind of like going through the motions without any like reason, just kind of chugging along essentially. Yeah. Like you feel like you're just like passing through life. Like you feel like you're just doing your day-to-day job and like you don't really feel anything anymore. Those are signs that you're probably experiencing caregiver burnout. So one of the questions that we wanted to answer essentially is why am I as a parent feeling negative or unconcerned about my autistic child? Some people feel guilty because they will feel like I'm looking at my kid here. They're having a meltdown. I should be empathetic right now, but I just don't like right now. I just I'm sorry. I just don't care. I'm frustrated. I'm overwhelmed. There's a lot of times where people will say that and be like, 
I know this is a horrible thing to say. Why am I feeling this way? Why do I feel like I just give up? I don't care anymore. And the reason you may be feeling that way is because it is actually a sign or symptom of caregiver burnout. If that's the case, that means at this point, you've probably already gone through the frustration stage where you're starting to get really frustrated or disappointed because you feel like you're not seeing an improvement in perhaps like your child's behavior. Maybe you feel like the therapies aren't working. Maybe you just aren't getting enough support from your community, from your spouse or anything like that. That would feel like a point in time where you would get really frustrated, particularly if you're seeing things like regressions. Right. I was going to say, I'm not sure if this kind of goes in line. I almost think of, I'm not sure if it's an analogy, where they basically say like, kind of like the idea of dehydration. If you feel like you can chug a glass of water, you're already dehydrated. So it's almost kind of in my mind, kind of working the same way. If you feel like you don't have any more patience or you feel like you have any more to give, you're already basically cross the line. You're already basically there. Yeah, you're already at that burnout threshold more than likely. Right. Another stage of caregiver burnout is isolation. And I think this is something that particularly in the special needs parenting community, like is something that we all experience. So after a while, essentially, a person who's experiencing signs of caregiver burnout might feel lonely and they might feel isolated by their caregiver role. Like you might feel like you're tied or tethered to this role and you might feel like you're just overwhelmed and just tired of hearing negative opinions from family members or friends, even though they might be like well-intentioned. But if a parent or family member is trying to give unsolicited advice or perhaps people aren't showing you like appreciation or recognizing the fact that you are putting in so much into trying to care for somebody and people aren't recognizing how much it's taking from you, that can sometimes lead to that sense of isolation. You kind of start to feel like you're withdrawing from your friends. You're withdrawing from family members because being around them kind of frustrates you more than it does help. And it's unfortunate because like, I feel that they genuinely want to help. Like they're trying to give like their best like recommendation, like, oh, like, why don't you try this? This might help. And it's, I mean, kind of, I think we touched on it last week where you almost have like the checklist of like, yep, we've tried like all the five things you're going to list off and right now, and we're on attempting number six, but you just haven't gotten there yet. So unless you actually kind of like live in that world daily, it's hard because you don't want to basically like brush it off to them, basically be like, you're not helping. But essentially sometimes the advice isn't as helpful as they might think it is. So you're trying to like walk that line, like not being like rude or anything, but then at the same time being like, yeah, your advice isn't really advice. And if you're already at that point where you are in the burnout stage, you probably can't politely say your advice is not helpful. If you're already at the caregiver burnout stage, you probably are at the point where you're already so frustrated that that's a point in time where you would probably lash out. Or yeah, I was going to say the next words out of your mouth may not be uh, G-rated. Yeah, they might not be the best because (laughs) at that point in time, you're like, look, I've tried everything. Please stop telling me X, Y, and Z. It's so frustrating. I already know all this. Like, just please leave me alone. Like, it's that point in time where you're just kind of like, please just stop because I can't right now. I just can't. Right. So that's essentially what that burnout point is. The burnout is like, you're done. Like you're done. You have no more left to give. So that's what gets into that third stage of burnout where you get into the despair phase. And that's essentially where you're feeling helpless. You're isolated. You basically can't concentrate anymore. You're having a really hard time finding things fulfilling or finding joy in hobbies that you used to find joy in. This is kind of that depression or quasi-depression stage where essentially you feel like you're losing yourself as a person. And you might not even have time for those things that you like to enjoy. You might just feel like you're kind of stuck in a rut. 
what tends to happen is that the level of care that you as a caregiver are able to provide might start to decline because you're burnt out where you have nothing left to give. So you start kind of pulling back caring for not only the person who you're caring for, but also for yourself. Your self-care just continues to decline. And that's the point where it can really spiral into like a depression. That's really where you would definitely need to seek help. I mean, I would definitely recommend that if you're experiencing any of these signs or symptoms at this point, I would recommend to seek counseling or help as early in that process as possible. If you think you could remotely be experiencing caregiver burnout, it's really important to find either a counselor to have somebody to talk to, or if you have friends or family to make sure that you're reaching out and seeing if you can talk to somebody about it and to make sure that you carve time out of your day for self-care. I know it seems impossible because that's something we're constantly talking about, how it's horrible for it. Like, we just can't do it. We can never find time. Right. But we're, we're trying to restructure our schedule. We were making a point. We sat down together the other day. We looked over our schedule, and we purposefully are trying to block out every single hour of our day if we have to, to make sure that we can find, like, a half-hour block of time where we can just, like, sit and drink coffee and, like, not worry about anything for, like, 30 minutes. And what we had to sacrifice was what, like? Sleep. Yeah, sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Cut into our sleep hours to get. Technically, we shifted over our sleep hours, yeah, so we no, still no, get the same true, amount of sleep. True, but... but yes, we have to sacrifice by getting up earlier <laughs> right, right, so right. that we're up before the kids are so that we can at least have some quiet time, which for me, I mean, that's a big sacrifice. I am not a morning person. Oh, I know. I love sleep. <laughs> but like, that's sometimes one of the things that you have to do is just work against things that you would naturally want to do just to make sure that you are incorporating some sort of self-care time and making that part of of a routine, not just like an afterthought. And I definitely think that you need to be proactive and intentional about scheduling time to care for yourself. Is that <laughs> self-care? <laughs> self-care. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mostly because like you're not alone in this boat where you would experience caregiver burnout with providing this level of care for another person. I mean, there's many in the same boat as you who are also hitting their limits where they're struggling as well. You're not alone. It's not anything to become like shameful of, of, oh, maybe I'm just like a bad parent. Maybe I'm really not good at this. Blaming yourself. It's a relatively normal thing under the circumstances where you are extending your care to someone with such magnitude. We mentioned in that self-care episode a while back about making sure you put your mask on first before you can put on your child's mask. And so if you are in that position where you're feeling really negative or you feel like, I just don't care anymore, like I'm just over it when it comes to like parenting your kid, we know that doesn't mean that you stopped loving your child. That means that you're having a hard time right now. You're probably experiencing burnout. And that is a moment for you to kind of like hit the pause button. Hit the pause button and see if you can implement some sort of self-care right then and right there because that can easily spiral out of control at some point if you do fall into some sort of like depression or something like that. So you want to make sure that at that point you take a moment to make sure you're securing your own mask. I wouldn't compare yourself to your peers, for example. So if you notice, oh, the woman down the street, Jenny, who has a child. Jenny from the block. Uh. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Jenny in this scenario, who has one child, never seems to have burnout. She's always laughing and enjoying life. She probably doesn't have the same level of care that she needs to provide to Timmy, her son. Or maybe she has more support systems. Right. You don't know her life fully. I mean, there are many other reasons why she might be relaxed in the scenario when you are stressed out. So, I mean, I wouldn't just go on Facebook or any other platform and be like, oh my gosh, like they have such like a great life. Their story is completely different from yours. And that's all my take on that. <laughs> I 
will even mention us on this because one of the feedback that we received a little bit ago on the podcast is one of our listeners basically told us like, I don't know how you guys do it. You seem so calm and collected. I wish like I could be like you guys, but I just get so frustrated and all that. And I just want to be like completely, totally transparent and just like let you guys know like this is our podcast voice. This is not our day to day (laughs) handling life voice. Like we're having a conversation right now. We're pretty chill. We're pretty relaxed, but it's because our kids are asleep. (laughs) We're not dealing with life right now. (laughs) All our podcasting usually takes place when they're asleep. Exactly. Yes, except for the one that they were in. And that might give you a little hint, like you saw them with us and you could see just a little bit of a glimmer of chaos there. So while we do keep it like calm, cool and collected for the podcast, I think a lot of our advice comes from us taking conscious efforts to sit down and think about and process like, okay, what happened today? What could I do better as a parent? How could I have helped her go through this transition better? What can we do next time perhaps to help so that whatever happened today doesn't happen again. So these are the steps that we take consciously to make sure that each day and each experience our kid has improves over time. And we also do make sure to reflect on self-care. I am terrible at it, but I am trying to squeeze in times for like me, I I like video games. I just started squeezing in like 10 minutes a night where I can at least like play my Switch for like 10 minutes and just mess around just to like de-stress my brain. So We are absolutely by no means perfect. Whatever tone we may give off on this podcast, I hope we're not giving the impression that we have it all together because we certainly do not. We just try to come back to home base and regroup after every battle that we have with like life in general. And I don't know about you, but uh, I'd say 10 out of 10 times that we record I'm already exhausted. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, just just tired. So we try to like, I mean, obviously have like a conversation, but I mean, at the same time, if someone said like, oh, go take a nap, I'd be like, okay, like I can- You'd be out. I, I, can, <laughs> I could probably take a nap. <laughs> yeah. The, you know how people have like, they say like a radio voice and it's supposed to be like this calm, collected voice. Oh my gosh, it's That's natural. just like our tired voice. No, yeah. I, I always think it's funny because I have to like smile like before we start like the podcast. So I'm in like a more like upbeat tone as opposed to like, just like, oh, you gotta I'm like so act. Activate the muscles in your face because <laughs> right, right. you haven't been smiling so like I, all day. So I have to like <laughs> smile for like 30 seconds to kind of be like, okay, we're, we're up, we're, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> right. So by no means do we, you know, not experience difficulties. We have experienced caregiver burnout quite frequently, I would think. I know that I have hit a wall several times throughout this journey, but I would say it has become less frequent. I would even say probably this last year has been pretty good for us because we have gone through that process of self-discovery. We've gone through the research. We've worked really hard with our therapists to find what is the best way to help our kids with the problems they struggle with the most that do take so much energy from us. So like the meltdowns, the eating behaviors, those sorts of things. We just make sure to focus a lot of energy on those so that we can alleviate that stress on our kid so that in turn, we can alleviate some stress on us as well. And then as we continue, I mean, each day is a new day, new opportunity. If we had a meltdown today, next day might be completely different and it might not be any issue or any transition issues. So, I mean, you just never know because each day is kind of an isolated day. Don't give up. If you are feeling like you might be showing any of these signs of caregiver burnout, I would highly recommend that you go and talk to a counselor, talk to a friend, see if you can build in some self-care time because at the end of the day, it's really, really important that we are taking care of ourselves as parents so that we're in the best position to take care of our autistic kiddos. So I'll leave you guys with that message and hopefully you guys will tune in next week. So stay strong and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. 
Tune in next episode as we investigate autism in the church and ask questions such as, what are the current barriers for autistic individuals who would like to attend church? Why is it difficult to find accommodating churches? What can we do to help our church become more autism inclusive? This is Embracing Autism.